and welcome to the Strictly Personal Podcast. I'm John Paul Battam, your host. Our theme, our message is intended to be a wide open forum, hopefully thought-provoking, but at the very least, entertaining. My father, the late John Battam, Hall of Fame broadcaster, started the Strictly Personal Commentary Show back in the late 90s. This is my attempt to keep that going. Throughout the many podcasts, I will be highlighting different audio clips from his broadcast history. I hope you'll enjoy that. Our commentary, relevant and interesting, all the while we'll be hosting different guests along the way. All of this commentary provided is strictly personal. With all that, let's get started. Uh, My guest today will be George Tell, who lived across the street from me growing up 40 plus years ago. He no longer lives in Canada. He lives south of the border, and we're going to get caught up with him and find out where he's been and what he's been up to. Now we'll go and hear a clip from John Batten. My, how time flies, in the immortal words of a wise old prairie bon vivant, there she was, gone. Time just about gone for this week. And I must wish Bruce Monroe of London and Al Hackner and company from Thunder Bay good luck in this year's Briar out in Brandon. One of you bring home the championship. And again, congratulations to Steve Podborski on a magnificent showing, the overall world downhill champion. Got a couple of other notes I'd like to mention to you. Ontario College Hockey, the final. The U of T had a 24-game win streak going for them until the other night. Guelph met them in the first game of their best-of-three final. It was 6-5 in favor of Guelph. Game two is tonight at Guelph at 7.30. If Guelph wins it, well, by golly, they're the champions. However, if the U of T Blues can come back and win tonight, well, they'll have that game three on Sunday. Well, I won't be sitting in this chair next week. Our old buddy George Duffield will be back from vacation. Me? A little knee surgery. You know how we athletes get at times. And so I must say to you now, time out for sports. And for technician Steve Howard, our producer today, Diana Bailey, who joins us here on Time Out. And vacationing George Duffield, I'm John Batham. Have a good week. Okay, I'm joined here by George Tell. And George, what's the what's going on in, uh, I think you're somewhere in California, are you not? Yes, sir, I am. Uh, who would have thought that... Uh, I guess it would have been maybe about five weeks ago or six weeks ago, you and I connected in San Diego to finally meet, and we hadn't seen each other in quite a while, and uh, that we'd be now, this many weeks later, sitting at home sort of quarantined and uh, not able to go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, we probably both had it uh, five weeks ago when we met up. I mean, you never know, right? I don't know. I hope or not. Yeah, I mean, I hope not. Coronavirus came and went. I knew a lot of people that were sick in January. Everybody thought it was a flu. Yeah, I mean, you know, every time I, I feel uh, feel something, I think, oh, God, who knows? But uh, this this thing gets you paranoid, but uh, so much stuff. It's quite so, amazing. Yeah. Here, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to, to shut everything down because uh, when they're so nice, people want to go outside. So we most of the past, say, 10 days, we've had a lot of rain. So it kind of forces you to stay inside. Um, yeah. Well, you're taking nets down from tennis courts, from volleyball, uh, you know, uh, courts. <laughs> the cities are taking no chances to let people congregate. Yeah. Well, you you could be right. Maybe it was it was there in January, and they, and a lot of people have already had it. Who knows, right? You just don't know. Well, that's what most people think, right? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people. 
could be could very well be because they weren't doing any testing back then and there's there was a good chance that it would have already made across the ocean and uh, been infecting people by that time but who knows yeah very few people knew that they you know but it was actually happening, right? So. Yeah. You know, George, rather than go on about this, because it's obviously not the, the most exciting news of the day, it's sort of lingering with all of us. I wanted to talk to you, go back about back in the good old glory days, you know, when, when we were growing up. I, I was just doing the math, you know. It's been over, we know, we've known each other probably 48 years or something, ridiculous number. Such a long time, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, I mean, we grew up uh, across the street from each other. What kind of uh, me- what kind of fond memories come back to you to, to your mind when you think about that? Funny you say that. You know, I think about all kinds of different things, but mostly just that kind of sense of freedom we had every day going outside, and and then coming in for meals, and that was it, right? And um, we'd be always playing something, you know, we were always doing something. Um, so I remember your cards. I remember. Um, Tinky, remember Tinky? <laughs> 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 oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good memory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember being a little kid there, you know, and uh, yeah. I don't know. It was just always it was so much fun growing up like that. Yeah. All these sports we played every single day. You know, Per and I were talking about how how we played so much road hockey and we were so damn good. And we didn't even know it, you know. Too bad we couldn't skate as well as we played. Well, we t- you know, I was talking to Perry the other day, and we were saying, like, you know, when when we had the opportunity to finally join a team, put a team together in the ball hockey, we, we ramped up, got pretty excited about that, and we were always competitive. We always had a good team, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and I was talking with Joe uh, a little week before that, and, you know, we touched on how that all came about, and I remember you kind of took it over from Joe briefly, and I think you had to go to university or something, and then I sort of had to pick up where because you had to, you weren't going to be available for the summer or something. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I, I was, uh, I, I think I got tired of running it. It felt like, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was time for me to do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, I was quite happy to give it up, and I just wanted to play. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, yeah, was it Joe? Joe who started? I can't remember. Yeah, it was now. Joe Felice. Was so Joe Felice kind of started it up in Clarkson, and he and I talked a bit about that. And then, uh, um, and it was just it was one of those things that I managed to put some time into and grew it, and it became quite uh, quite a league. At one, and when we we thought back at one point, we grew that at one point to forty eight teams. That's the size. That's bigger than the NHL. I think we had we had bigger more uh, more players on our on our uh, database back then than <laughs> the NHL has. So yeah, yeah it you... was amazing, you know. It yeah. was an amazing. Um, I remember some of the. Um, I mean, we had some pretty serious rivalries, right? Yeah, really like just a lot, but just a lot of good memories, a lot of a lot of fun, and uh, um, I just remember, you know, you and I. Uh, and Perry and Mike Armstrong, and then we would then we'd fill in our teams accordingly uh, on the on the middle of the court, having those those ball hockey games, and we would play literally for hours. We'd maybe break for lunch, and then we'd go back at it again all afternoon. But, uh, Amazing how much we would play, you know. Yeah. And to think, you know, I mean, really, we got so skilled. It's hard to believe today, you know, being a tennis player now, and no more hockey really. But my hands are still. 
Yeah, but you you, yeah, you always you always had great hand-eye coordination. That's where the, you know, your skill was, right? So that's that lends itself yeah. to racket sports for sure. But, you know, I'll tell you, you know, when you're playing tennis and you're coming in and, and you're coming into the net to try to hit the ball and hit a volley, you know, coming in on serve, and, you know, your opponent will hit the ball hard down to your feet. The ability to pick it up with my, my you know, the lefty shooter and being able to go down real low and <laughs> pick it up and hit it over, it's like taking a, a snapshot, you know. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a skill that we developed, I think, all, all those years of playing every single day, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just incredible. Uh, yeah, I have fantastic memories of that. And, well, we have some good memories of, of, of our of our parents, our, our dads, uh, mm. uh, over the years. Uh, you know, I remember, I have some, such great fond memories of your dad, and uh, I always remember being, uh, obviously, a young lad, looking over in your driveway and admiring all the great cars that your dad had, and I remember asking you, why has your dad got all these great cars? And then we you know, found out that he was actually a race car driver at one point, which was, which was at that point, you go, wow, it was pretty amazing, like just to know that he, he was into that. And um, so I always remember your dad for that. And I remember your dad, he was always such a, uh, a great guy when, it was, when we had the snowstorm, he would come over and he'd, he'd help out, help my dad out. And then they'd, they'd meet in the middle of the court and clink glasses and <laughs> during a snow day. And yeah, yeah. So great memories that way. And then, well, don't forget, don't forget the time that my dad went during a football practice, you know, dislocated his shoulder and your dad came to the rescue to drive him to the hospital in the porch. That wasn't football practice. That was. Um we were at where was that uh, Perry's uh, hockey game. I think it was in Milton. I was there, and and, and uh, you know, John needed help. My dad came up and took him. And uh, I can't remember uh, more. I remember John uh, Perry does a perfect imitation of his dad <laughs> still to this day, <laughs> touching his shoulder and then <laughs> waving over like. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. You know, the other thing about your dad, I, I mean, growing up with my dad was a bit of a different guy, you know, being uh, really European-born and educated, grew up in Mexico and had businesses down there and, you know, being entrepreneurial a bit, but having never grown up in North America, you know, he really had no familiarity with sports and, and the things that, you know, you, you do as a North American kid. And uh, so I remember your dad teaching me to play golf, you know, with Perry. Uh, you know, just, yep. he would take me along to the course because, you know, my dad would never have done that. He didn't even know that game. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I do recall that, yeah. Do you remember, did you ever come skiing with us to Mount Mansfield? Oh, I'm sure we did. We used to catch the bus, remember, down by the lakeshore. Yeah, and, uh, all, <laughs> the way, all, all the way to lakeshore. Imagine walking that <laughs> day. It's not a chance in the world, right? I can't imagine, actually. <laughs> we would walk down there, like, I don't know. It was and we'd carry our skis down there, too. And then come back with it, too. You know what I mean? It was brutal. Yeah. I remember, my, you know, one of the interesting memories, my dad kept my first paycheck. Uh, I was 11 years old. Right. And I was an umpire in baseball. Actually, I wonder if I have it here. In my you probably school. still have it. Yeah, well, he, you know, my mom gave it to me, you know, when my dad passed. Let me see if I have it here. I think it was like $2. Yeah. 
for three dollars. <laughs> my dad cashed it for me. I guess he wanted to keep it as a memory. <laughs> That's pretty nice, though. Yeah, here it is. Here from the CIBC, June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy four. Payable to George Tell, three dollars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> from the Mississauga Baseball Association. <laughs> I forgot that you umpired. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was 11. You know what, Paul? I would ride my bike. I would pick up my, my, you know, my bike and, and go all the way to Park Royal or Lorne Park, from where we live. <laughs> I mean, imagine kids doing that today. Yeah, yeah. To make $3, man. Uh, it was unbelievable. That was probably a lot of money back then. I remember we used to take the milk bottles back for 50 cents, and we thought that was pretty special. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I Let's guess. Remember, what a great place to grow up, uh, Daily Court. Yeah, you know what it was. I, I think we, we, I look back. I think we all had pretty great childhoods. Really, when you look at it, we had lots of freedom, like you said earlier. And uh, you know, it was just you know, we really did have a lot of fun. When you when you look back at where things are today, and you see so many other people that don't have the the type of childhood that we had. But, um, yeah, and the types of memories, and yeah. I, I think that we were so free to be what we wanted to be, and. Uh, I mean, I think we all share that kind of competitive gene. It's kind of hard not to yeah. when you grow up in that kind of environment. I mean, I, for one, felt, you know, I'm probably, I'm younger than you. <laughs> and I was in your brother's grade. And, you know, being the youngest guy by a year and a half or two years from some of now, 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 you got, you got, got that because you accelerated a grade. Is that what it was? Or Yeah, they, I accelerated. They, put, I, they I pushed you. Grade three. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, um, uh... I remember your brother. <laughs> Great memory of Perry and I in grade six doing projects. I can't remember. Uh, we had to present it and on a board and everything. And then I remember Perry, I don't know whether he got a B or a C or whatever, but I got a B or an A. <laughs> <laughs> and even in grade six, we're competing, man. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, so then, so after high school, where what then? Where did you go? You went to where did you go to university, George? I went to University of Western Ontario. Oh, Actually, okay. You know, really more formative than that. I remember when I hurt my knee. Remember that football? Yeah. And um, it, it took me nine months to really become. Uh, I I, re- I, rem- I remember you uh, doing your knee, and actually, I do remember that. And that was quite the ordeal. Yeah, you you had scars all the way around your knee, and oh my god! You know, it, I played so many different sports, and it impacted everything. Yeah. How how is that knee now? Many years later, how is that knee? Well, you know, it is forty two years later. I was told way back that when I'm fifty, I'll have a new knee. Just wait now, and it's got the old. Yeah. Um, but it hurts every day. Yeah. Um, but I'm still using it, and I play tennis, you know, four or five times a week. Wow. Well, so, good, for you, good for you. Glad you're staying active. That's great. Yeah, it helps. You know, I, I don't want to have a knee replacement because I think it will eliminate my ability to play singles tennis. Right. But, um, you know, I went to Europe. Uh, going back to that injury, I went to Europe when I was in grade 12. My dog, my, my foot didn't. It had after grade 11 with my knee injury just sitting at home and going to physio but I said sure why not I didn't even know what Europe was but I went 
found myself in Switzerland and kind of just completely broadened myself, you know, to the world in a way I would never have done otherwise, you know? Uh, and, yeah. Uh, really so, changed my... You, in, you invented the victory lap. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> Came back and did the victory lap, but, you know, just went for the one year, came back for Greg Sweeney, and then went to Weston. But it always, you know, it was very formative for me because I learned a lot. I was, again, the youngest mm -hmm. kid there, probably the poorest, too. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of wealthy kids there, and, uh, you know, what I did is I saw Europe and I skied all over the place. I had such a great time. Yeah, you got it. really changed... You got in a fair bit of travel early on, too, eh? Like so, which was... Yeah, I did. I mean, I went everywhere. I would go hitchhiking on weekends in northern France and Italy and some over Switzerland. Yeah, and good then, for you. Uh, soon get to know my grandfather. I'd go to Norway over the holidays and went to Spain. It was really quite awesome. Yeah. But then you got so then you got afterwards you got your your career path you went into was it was it was with, a, with a, a I think a photography company was like like not wasn't blacks but it was like that right was it neat, yeah kind neat? of interesting really I I um, eventually found myself looking for work and I had landed with a, a job at the Japan Camera Center at the time they were the distributor of almost everything Japanese you know they held lines like. Rico cameras. Oh, that's right, Rico. JVC, yeah. JVC they had uh, uh, Rico office equipment. They had Aritzi one-hour photo equipment. And they had uh, Sigma lens. They had all these big brands at the time. And so they hired me because they were starting a new office division. And um, I got into it, and I did well enough that they put me in the Aritzi one-hour photo division. But I, you know, within that first year. So I found myself, you know, in a really great external sort of sales job, B2B, selling one-hour photo machines to retailers in, in uh, the eastern half of Ontario, Toronto. So I was, you know, what, 25, 26? Right. In, in that role. It was awesome. Those were great days. And it was a, a tremendous opportunity because, um, you know, learning new skills, learning new uh, technology, but had, uh, you know, that, that company lost the distributorship and I, the manufacturer came in direct and I joined it. And I've stayed with them for over 20 years. All said and done, almost about 20 years. And it's actually what brought me to California. You know, I became the national sales marketing manager for Norwich in Canada. And what, became, what year was that, George, when you ended up going there? I came here in 2004. Okay, two thousand and four. So you've been you've been in, living in California since that time. Yes, sir. Nice. And yeah, it's, it's quite awesome down here. I love California. I love the uh, you know the weather, of course, but it's so beautiful here. The physical beauty. There's lots of opportunity. Uh, it's one of the reasons we came here. Mind you, Melanie and I both you know had lived all over the world, and you know we're quite happy to try different places to live. But right. I just, you know, really decided to stay here. My kids are here. My son lives in Newport Beach. My daughter lives in Costa Mesa. And, uh, you know, they have careers here. And, and there's lots of opportunities for growth. So I love it here. But, it's, you know, still very Canadian. It's, it's kind of funny when you're when you're outside of Canada, you become even more Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, you are settled there. I gather you're not looking to come back to Canada. You've got a life established there now. Um, uh, I guess you get back here occasionally, do you, uh, for visits? I do, and, and uh, I plan hopefully to get back this summer. I have come back in the last couple of years, but I used to come back quite regularly. Yeah. My job, you know, my prior roles would take me to Chicago and New York for shows and I'd fly up over the weekend and spend two, three days with my folks and, and uh, you know, whenever I had the, the chance and opportunity. I've been doing less kind of local travel and I've been, lately, I was traveling a lot more to, you know, throughout the world, Asia, Europe, you know, Latin America. So it was a rough opportunity to do that. So, but I intend to come back this summer and see my mom. Yeah. Make sure she's doing well. So look forward to seeing you guys when I come up. Yeah, yeah. You you indicated that uh, I think when we spoke back in San Diego that uh, the position at the uh, company uh, I think dried up and you went into a consulting role and you were I think yeah if I recall you said you were going to go into um, commercial realty. Are you there yet? Is that what's going on or what are you doing now? Yeah, not quite uh, commercial real estate, but I, I want to do residential. So I oh, residential, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think my goal would be to be able to do that for as long as I want to work. And uh, what I'm doing through consulting, I'm, I'm you know, capitalizing on my skills really in retail, selling to retail all these years. You got a lot of contacts, uh, I, I guess. I, I do, and I have a role with a company, so I have, you know, the opportunity to to work and, and uh, you know, exist that way and try to build my my residential real estate business here. There's a lot of potential for that here. You know, California real estate and Southern California real estate is unlike anything else in the world. It's unbelievable, actually. You know, just a great opportunity for you. And, uh, it is, and I'm super busy. Yeah. So. I know you're still a young man, but, I mean, how long you want to work for? Are you not worried about it? You just want to keep busy? Well, you know, um, not too worried about it. I, I, you know, I'm super healthy. I, you know, I feel super healthy and strong. I take a look at my dad. My dad worked probably until he was 70, 75. And I, I saw the change in him, you know, when he stopped working. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it impacted him negatively. And I'm similar, you know, in my nature. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Play it by ear whether... It depends on where we want to retire and what we want to do at that time. You know, the Palm Springs is nearby. It's such a beautiful area. Uh, pretty easy to retire there and have, a like, an apartment in Orange County. Yeah. It'd just be a great life. Or maybe even one in Toronto. I mean, who knows? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure I'd recognize Toronto anymore, you know? It's changed so much. It has. There's been um, a lot of... Uh construction and the, the, certainly the, the landscape of this the city escarpment is uh, changed quite a, quite dramatically and uh, they, they, the uh, density is that much more because they've got so many condominiums down there now but uh, yeah I mean uh, I think if we went look back even like the last 20 years how much growth has happened in downtown Toronto it's really changed but uh, quite something but I mean it's everywhere really but I mean many major centers are now really going through the same thing but um, yeah I mean it's a massive city now it's you know it's the size of Chicago or Houston you know great big geography very modern 
very dynamic, lots of, you know, technology, lots of opportunity for young people. Uh, it's kind of funny how my kids are connected there, you know, they still yeah. maintain really close friendships with their friends from Carlisle when we were living there. My son went to Thailand with three of his friends there uh, last year. Yeah. And they went, yeah. You know what? It's you know, two weeks from Thailand. Yeah. You know what? You think about how many. You and I talked a little bit about this. This is before all this kind of hit the fan. But uh, how much travel? Not only that you and I have. Uh, you know, and I've, I've started my traveling a little bit later in in my life. You did a lot when you were younger, and and so on. But I mean, our kids and everybody. How much more travel you see today? And now we see this pandemic, and you go, wow. And maybe as a result of this traveling, that's not such a good thing. But you wonder how much travel will take place over the next few years with everything that's about to change, right? So maybe it's good the, that they did get out there last year. And who knows when they'll get back out that way next, right? So, who knows? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think things will change and will have to change, you know, particularly how things get, yeah. you know, get handled in the world. But I, I think traveling is such a great... I mean, it's such a, a broadening thing. That's I think it really changed me, Paul, when I was 16 and in Europe. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, Switzerland, they speak Italian, French, German, and... Uh, yeah, how, how many how many languages can so you speak, I, George? Well, you know, I speak Spanish, which is Castellano. Uh, like, you hear Mexican Spanish and right. American Spanish. Um, and I used to be quite good in French, but I've lost quite a not lost. I'm just not as fluent. I think it would take me a while to get fluent yeah. in French again. Um, but I think I can learn. Like if you go to Spain, uh, where my father's from, this, the city of Barcelona, it's in the province of, uh, of Catalonia. They, they speak Catalan there, which is like a, a mixture of French, Spanish, as we know it and uh, Italian. I think I can learn that quite easily. I think I can learn Portuguese and Italian mm-hmm. quite easily. You know, my sister lives in Italy and she, she now speaks Italian. She, she picks it up English, quick. You know, very easily picked it up. So. Now, if I recall, your mom speaks a lot of languages. Didn't, didn't she do some uh, some work for the United Nations at some point? Yeah, she, she was a simultaneous interpreter. That was her career. So, I mean, she... she uh, you know, would listen and to a speaker, particularly government. A lot, a lot of her work was, you know, she'd go to a meeting and, uh, you know, the Mexican ambassador would be speaking, or the French guy would be, uh, industrial expert would be speaking, and she'd be translating simultaneously into English, French, or Spanish. So that was her career. Languages have always been really important in our household, so. Yeah, I'm really quite grateful for having that exposure. Even to this day, I mean, I, here in Southern California, I mean, you can exist only in English, but um, you can also exist only in Spanish. Wow, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm envious. I don't have a skill for another language, and there's many times I think it would be kind of, really kind of neat to learn. But now, I mean, you got all these devices that'll do it for you too. So it's you know. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. Um, anyways, George, we grew, we grew up across the street in a court. You were directly across the street from me, and I remember when I first moved there, there was really the, all the other houses around were being built, and 
and so on. And I remember how we actually met the very day that we met. What is in your backyard? We were having shingle fights with uh, kids over on the other side of your fence. <laughs> do you recall that? Yeah, I do totally. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. They were on Or Road, which was just around the block. But yeah. All of a sudden, they were like bad he, guys, and we were fighting over the barn and the fields, and we were <laughs> it was pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we people would would cringe at the thought of throwing a shingle at somebody, but. That's what it was like back in those days. We were taking all sorts of risks. I, I remember trying to climb that fence in your backyard was quite high, too. Yeah. Do you remember those uh, great big, I don't know what they were, they were plants that we would pull out in the road? See, they were quite awesome. <laughs> With the yeah. <laughs> lots of, lots okay, of good childhood memories, I'll tell you. I, 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 they, come, they come back to you and you just go, wow, yeah, it's pretty special. But, yeah, uh, it's quite something. So what's what's next for you? You're playing a lot of tennis now. Uh, anything else going on? Yeah, really. Um, just working, really trying to develop this new business in real estate. So I'm enjoying that. Yeah. Learning a lot and uh, uh, just applying myself that way. Uh, it's great to be, you know, in this situation. You know, I'm playing tennis a lot. With, you know, competing still against younger guys. It helps keep me young. You know, I have to watch what I eat not drink too much if I want to keep winning you know and uh, so it helps keep me now you're, you're, you're part you're part of a ladder of some sort or in uh, you know one of the uh, is it a part of a club or a tennis club you're at or what do you well there's lots of private tennis clubs here but I, I work I play just nearby and uh, yeah it's part of a, a ladder sometimes up to 200 guys but right now maybe 110 nice. guys and you know you compete in tournaments every every 10 weeks right. and uh, but, you know you're always trying to improve and there's some amazing players some of these guys are amazing you know here at the local club where I play the, the, they teach some of the I think they could be the best junior club in California and maybe in the US right. <laughs> for that reason you know the guy that's a head pro is a guy named Chris Lewis who I think it was 19... 19- 83 lost to McEnroe and Wimbledon fought. Uh, wow. an incredible tennis player. Yeah, so they, they teach all these kids, just phenomenal kids. Yeah, and yeah. And watch them, how they train. And so we, it, it's just a fantastic place to play, and I love it. So I get, you know, I'm, I get out as much as I can. You know, it's been a bit of a bummer with this. Uh, COVID nineteen virus. They've closed down most of the tennis courts. So yeah. well, we got to hope this doesn't last too long. I guess so we can get back at it and get back our get our lives back to normal. Uh, I, I'll make a I'll make a suggestion or uh, I'll make an offer here. Uh, if we if you're able to get to out here this summer and you have a bit of time, what I'd like to do if you're if you're game for it, and I know you're 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 a tennis guy, but none of us play tennis. You know that. At least not very well. Uh, why don't you and I challenge Barry and Perry to a pickleball <laughs> a match? Oh, uh, yeah, let's do it, Paul. You know, I remember when Perry asked me if I played pickleball. Uh, exactly. I started laughing. I go, what, do you think I'm old or something? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, on, his, on his podcast, I mentioned it, and I said, you know, everybody thinks it's for old guys. And Perry went on about, no, no, no. You know? <laughs> it's a competitive sport. So maybe we'll have to do that. 
up for for shits and giggles. It'll be uh, fun to do. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that are playing it down here that I know, and uh, I just haven't given up on tennis yet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's do that. So does he play up there in Detroit? Like, in well, he he hasn't he hasn't played here yet. I was talking to him, and he said that. Uh, but he's had a few people uh, reach out to him and 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 challenge him. So he said he's going to be doing that when when he when he's able. Uh, and so maybe we'll we'll have that opportunity maybe come July or whenever you're here in the summertime. But, uh, I'll tell you, this made me almost cry laughing. It reminds me of growing up with Paris. You know, he says, I mean, you won't have this to help you. He <laughs> 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 thought it was my surrogate yeah. and maybe tennis and other, oh, yeah. well, other I, you know. I remember playing you, playing you in ping pong, and I don't think I ever got a point against you. You were you were quite the ping pong player. Well, funny, you, you know, I was uh, I was quite good at that game, and uh, yeah, too, too bad I, I I should pick it up again. You know, it was so much fun. <laughs> but Perry saying that you know I would have my serve to help me just crack. It up. <laughs> I won't need my serve to help me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, good fun. Yeah, let's do it this summer. All That'd right, be great. Well, on, on that note, George, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and wrap us up here. Um, we've already gone 30 minutes on this. I uh, always ask my guests though before we wrap up is to maybe pick uh, maybe your favorite. Uh, like we'll we'll do a song to go out with the uh, podcast, and what would be? It doesn't have to be your favorite song, but what kind of song would you want to pick for me to put on the end of the podcast for you? Wow, I put you on the spot, I know. <laughs> well, you know, this was much more later in life, but, you know, I became a big Super Tramp fan when I was 15, 16. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was before they became really famous throughout the world, but they were famous in Canada, you know, when crashes like Christ hits. Or, you know what um, you could do, George? Lightest moment. <laughs> You, 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 if you if you have a song or a, like a, a song that your son did in his band, you could always send it to me, and I could attach that if you want. <laughs> well, no, I don't think so. You know, that was hardcore. <laughs> you know, although I went to more hardcore uh, concerts than most parents my age. Uh, yeah, that's the, that, it. Wasn't because of the love of it. I, yeah, you know, I would think thinking back to those days, you know. You know, there was a lot of Led Zeppelin yeah. we listened to, but I wasn't a huge fan of that. More, more of a super, yeah, you know, super tramp. Yeah, I think super tramp. Uh, um, crime of the century, or even in the quietest moments, uh, which which album? Yeah, crime of the century was a great one. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm thinking, what was that song called? School. Uh, School's out. Or school? Yeah, it's just called School. Yeah, school. Yeah, that we, was a great song. Yeah, we could go out with that. That brings back a lot of memories. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, there's well, there's lots of them. Anyways, I'll I'll, I'll grab a song off of the suit off of the uh, Super Tramp uh, Crime of the Century album. We'll go out with that. And with that note, I would thank you for joining me on this podcast, George. I hope to see you this summer. I'm glad we did connect when we were in uh, Cal when I was in California in January and. Uh, you know, uh, look forward to uh, hopefully future podcasts and more conversations. And, and you you do well in your, your business and do well with that tennis. Thanks so much, Paul. You know, i got to tell you, you sound so much like your dad. It's quite amazing. <laughs> I, I That's a compliment. Thank you. And definitely, 
I will be in touch real soon and let you guys know when I'm coming up. All right. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Take care. Tell Perry to, pa- uh, to practice uh, pickleball. He's going to need it. I'll put it out there for sure. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself. Take- you too. See you, Paul. All right. Bye now.